Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and uh, we're joined here by uh, Ken Boyd, uh, owner of uh, Brimstone Firearm Instruction and uh, dog expert and uh, military veteran. So we're glad to have you on the show tonight. Uh, I did a terrible job with the intro. We just kind of rolled into this. So uh, <laughs> I'm, a, you... I'm a self-proclaimed dog expert. I will say that. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Questionable after uh, your interaction with Maggie tonight, but <laughs> no, it was fine. No, I, that, yeah. is, that was so odd to me because the one thing that it works every time and I was and I was giving you a little bit more leadway because I know that you you know what you're doing um, but anytime somebody new comes over to my house that Maggie's never met before mm-hmm. I always I, I'm holding on to Maggie new person walks in I pat the new person on the shoulder or shake their hand or whatever um, and, the, and it's kind of like an intro Maggie sniffs the new person yep. new person is cool you're cleared to enter <laughs> and uh, that's just how that's just how we've done it and I and I was curious to see like if I didn't do that what happened and I don't think it was a fair experiment because Claire was like Claire, my five-year-old daughter, was right there yeah. when you walked in, and Maggie is very protective of Claire. Um, so I think that might have thrown a weird, weird funk into the 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 mix. So what did you read from that whole situation? When when Claire got close to Maggie, she was more protective. Yeah, and when Maggie or Claire left the room, Maggie and Maggie and I were getting along pretty yep. much. Yep. But the other thing, her fur kind of came up right yep. between her shoulders, but not down her whole spine. And she didn't show, it was a um, a warning growl. Okay. No aggression. Yep. She was just being entirely defensive. And so that tells me that I have nothing to fear. I just have to make sure I move calmly, smoothly, and slowly and be nice and friendly. Okay. So, but that in and of itself, like if you had bad intentions, that would have escalated very quickly. I'm pretty sure. Yes. Yeah. Okay. That that's that's always like the curious thing because like Maggie, um, she's it, she it, it appears that she has some protective instincts, mm-hmm. but I'm always curious as like okay, somebody kicks in my door, what's this dog gonna do? Like I, you, that's just not something that you really know until it happens. But um, but yeah, so I've always I've always just kind of wondered that. So well. You you've in the re- recent year, like the past ten years or so, you, you've been getting more and more press about how special operations are using dogs. Yep. And so the reason why they started that is the Israelis pioneered it, if I'm not mistaken. And so when they're doing hostage rescue, uh, the first guy in that assault team is always the most experienced guy. Well, the Israelis started sending a dog in first, mm-hmm. and whoever the dog attacks gets shot. Okay. <laughs> Literally. Yeah. So what they figure what they figured out is that no matter how well trained the human is, a dog is faster. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the dog will know more definitively who is the bad guy, who is not, because in that and that's where a lot of people, when you do have a hostage situation, when the police or the uh, the uh, FBI, whoever it is, comes in. Everybody gets treated like a criminal and gets handcuffed mm-hmm. and separated because you don't know who the, the good guys and the bad guys are. And you got the hell seeking syndrome and you got people who the bad guys who try and pa- pass off as a hostage. Yeah. Yeah. You don't know. Yeah. But guess what? A dog knows. Yeah, for sure. Well, and this is a this is a funny story. And I want to tip my hat to you because you uh, the last time we had you on the show, we, we I have a banking background um, and I, I've worked in a, a branch setting in a bank, you know, a, a couple different banks for the last five years or so. Um, and we, we had a brief conversation about like bank robberies and stuff like that. And you mentioned um, you guys should just get a dog because that would be a perfect thing. And my initial 
like thought I kind of brushed it off a little bit because I was like, hey, I giant corporate bank, twenty five thousand employees, you know, you know, run like having to get like a minor exception made. It seems like you have to walk through five miles of red tape to even get there. I'm like, there's no way they're gonna let me bring a friggin' dog into the branch. Well, last week, uh, an email goes out to um, the the whole company, and they basically said, hey, we have a couple, um, we have we have dogs that were now trained. Um, that that we have um, dogs that are trained that we're actually placing in two quote unquote high risk branches. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Ken was right. <laughs> <laughs> well, n- not to get anybody in trouble, but if you go into Home Depot on 28th Street, uh, you'll notice on the sign it says no dogs allowed except service dogs. Uh huh. Every cashier has dog treats. Hmm. Everybody that goes there. Uh, that works there will they love dogs and they mm-hmm. encourage people to bring their dogs in mm-hmm. and it's it's a it's a great Lowe's is the same way too yeah uh, you'd be surprised at how many stores are actually uh, dog friendly oh for sure I I, br- I bring Maggie to uh, uh, if I if I need her like if I'm at home working on something and I need mm-hmm. to go to Lowe's or Home Depot to grab a tool I bring Maggie almost every time sometimes they're a little loose with the dog treats and it promotes bad behavior <laughs> but yeah it's all right. <laughs> Yeah. Well, and uh, I think it's I think it's important, too, for dog owners to like um, uh, to, to socialize their dogs and, and get them like not necessarily. I want I don't necessarily want a bunch of people like walking up to her and petting mm-hmm. her. And that's not really what I'm going for. It's just a can you can like can you walk on a leash focused with me and kind of stay on task and not get bamboozled by everything that's going on around you, if that makes sense. That's yeah, and it's it's very good. It's it's important for the socialization of the dog to be around a lot of humans. Mm-hmm. And so it, if you're just going around the neighborhood with the dog and they just happen to be close to your house and a kid's riding a bike and just happens to look at the dog, which steers him towards the dog, that could be a threat mm-hmm. if they're not used to it. Yeah. And you When you have people... It was kind of funny as I grew up with a collie, just like Lassie. Yep. And everybody was like, oh, what a beautiful dog. And then later on, we got my mom a, a Doberman. And everybody would cross the street and say, beautiful dog. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> From a but, distance. Yeah. But it, you know, especially with that dog, you did have to spend more time socializing. Now, the trick is when you have like a golden retriever, they're not always perfectly sociable. Mm-hmm. So you you have to be careful and yeah. you have to socialize them properly. And the, when the people uh, don't bring their dogs into public places, then when they do get in a public place, it's sensory overload for them, and mm-hmm. they can be too defensive. Yeah, for sure. Now it's um, my. Do you let me ask you this? Are you of the mindset that? And I don't. I I'm asking this question because I don't know. Now I'm not trying to steer you any direction. Do you think that certain breeds? Um, how do I phrase this? Do certain breeds have have certain tendencies that are harder to break than others, and why do you think that is? Oh, okay, yes. Okay, such as if you have a hunting dog, their prey instinct. They have a very strong prey instinct. So they're going to chase anything that moves. Some of them will, yeah. yeah. But I have a I have a Labrador pit bull mix. Big old boy. <laughs> he, he's pretty big. Um. And you throw a ball, and he's going to go after it. You mm-hmm. throw a ball in the water, oh, he's going to yeah. go after it. He <laughs> loves it. But anything that comes into our property, he will chase off. And as soon as it turns around the other way, he stops. Okay. 
He just wants to keep things. He he doesn't have. He's got that retriever instinct. He wants to go and retrieve stuff, mm-hmm. but he doesn't want to kill anything or you know go around and, and chase anything. And there are dogs that do want to do that, but there's also. I've seen dogs that get their their nose is their control, like mm-hmm. any hound dog. Hound dogs, yep. They will go follow their nose wherever they go. It's just what they do. And funny thing is, I had a border collie mix that never ever once tried to herd anything in his entire life mm-hmm. until he was seven years old and he saw sheep for the first time. He herded the sheep up with zero training, zero experience immediately. Mm. And then after that, um, he never tried to herd anything else until yeah. he saw sheep again. That was weird. Yeah. No, that's bizarre. <laughs> it was amazing. One thing that we noticed with Maggie right away is that she, when she was a, like, we don't do this now because, you know, it's, um, because she's not really interested. Like if we go to a playground or whatever, and I have a ball in my hand, mm-hmm. uh, I don't. I I can let her not be on a leash, even if there's a bunch of people around, because her, uh, her definite um, definiteness of purpose is that ball in my hand. It does not <laughs> matter anything that's going on around her. We could be at a dog park with 15 other dogs, and if I throw the ball, she gets the ball and brings it back to me. That's all she wants to do. But when she was a puppy. Um, Chloe would bring her to the park and there'd be like 10, 15 kids just running around in the summertime. She's a little baby puppy. Yeah. And, um, border collie, she would go and run circles around these kids and kind of like not bite them, but just kind of like nip at their, nip at their heels and heard them. Exactly. And it's just, uh, like nobody taught her how to do that, but it was just, it was instinctive. No. Now, if you have a Queensland healer, you have to be careful, you know, like a blue healer, red healer. Okay. those are cattle dogs, mm-hmm. not sheep dogs. Yep. Border collies are sheep dogs. You gotta so bite you, them a little harder to get them to move. <laughs> they'll, they'll nip. Yeah, they'll nip. And yeah. it, but it's a purposeful nip. The problem mm-hmm. is, is that it's scary. Yeah. Even for a full-grown male like myself, you don't want to get mm-hmm. nipped by a dog. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my uh, my actually clears Godfather Joe, um, former Marine, and uh, he actually just went through um, the he is licensed to train canines now, I believe. So okay. he went through the six-month program or whatever it is, um, and he is now an EMT. So he's... <laughs> <laughs> but um, but he has a blue healer, and that dog is awesome. They are amazing. My, do- my, my family from New Mexico has been ranching for generations, and they've had blue healers for generations. I've even had out there in New Mexico... Uh, my brother and I, I was really young, not sure, probably like five. Mm-hmm. And we were on one of the pastures walking into the homestead portion. So along this fence, there's a bush mm-hmm. and there's a rattlesnake in the bush. Well, we're two Michigan boys. We're just visiting for the summer. Yeah. We didn't know what to do. Uh, that dog just jumped and just attacked a rattlesnake and allowed us to, to run run around no and go yell at dad. And say, <laughs> dad, there's a snake. That's when I found out why my dad has a Colt 45 underneath the seat of his truck. Ah, interesting. With snake loads, yeah. Okay. Snake loads, is that like birdshot, buckshot, or something like that? or Yeah, it's kind of like a, a frangible bullet, so okay. it's it's almost like um, hollow turns point. a pistol into a shotgun. Okay. So it's like a hollow point, but extremely hollow with BBs in it. Oh, okay. That makes, That's interesting. Never heard of that before. Yep. It's or it's more like a sabot round, so you don't sabot round where you don't you don't tear up the rifling, but it, it does shoot a whole b- a bunch of BBs mm-hmm. out. Nobody ever hears that in Michigan because we don't have snakes. You go out out yeah. west, 
Yeah, yeah, yeah mm-hmm. you, you probably hear them. Yeah, we've got like one venomous snake within like a hundred miles of here or something like the Massasauga rattler, I believe it is. Uh, we got the timber timber rattler. I've never heard of that one before. I, I think it's another name for the Massasauga. Oh, okay. I think. Gotcha. I don't have to worry about the snakes in Michigan because yeah. well, right now they're all frozen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, no, that's great. So, what um, have you ever run into a? Because let me ask you this: there's there's stereotypes about certain breeds. You got your Dobermans, yeah. you've got your Pit Bulls, you've got your. Um, well, for for stereotypes, uh, Caesar Milan had a quote, and he said in in the seventies it was German Shepherds. Mm-hmm. In the '80s, it was Rottweilers. In the '90s, it was Dobermans, and and in the 2000s, it's the pit bulls. Mm-hmm. When are we going to learn it's the humans? Yeah, I I, I agree a hundred percent. I don't I don't because th- I have personally been around well trained pit bulls, and they're they're big babies, and they're sweethearts, and they're great dogs, and they're really smart. They used to be called nanny dogs. Did you know that? I no, I did not. I did not know that. Way back in the day, you, you ever seen Little Rascals? So uh, no. Spank, Spanky, Alfalfa, oh, okay. Buckwheat. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yep. their dog was a, well, first off, there is no breed of pit bulls. It's actually four different breeds of dogs, all yeah. terriers. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was one of the breeds of pit bulls. Mm-hmm. And they're they're perfectly fine. Now, they're very obedient, yes, mm-hmm. and they're fearless, which those two make them very effective fighting dogs. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of them were bred to be fighting dogs, but most people that are not familiar with dogs Mm -hmm. is you can rehabilitate dogs. It's pretty rare that you can't do it. Yeah. And I've seen from personal experience that if you meet a wild dog, technically they're not feral. You can domesticate them very easily. Why do you think that is? Because they're domesticated. They're, They're pack animals. It doesn't necessarily mean if their pack is dogs, okay. but if their pack is humans, they do that. And in Iraq, we had several dogs that I adopted. Okay. Needed something so, to do. <laughs> well, it was like, the unit had this, we had, we called it dog and it was the units. And I'm like, well, I'm got to get here. a mascot. <laughs> hey, let me help. Well, it was, it was more like default. A lot of guys like the dogs, Yeah, but I knew how to raise and train the dog. And it was things like he was just a puppy. And once he had food in his mouth, nobody could get rid of it until, unless it was me. Mm-hmm. And there was a guy who was a, uh, he was a civilian and he really liked dogs, but he was more of a cat person, not mm-hmm. saying anything bad against him, but he would feed the dog chickens. And so as soon as one of the guys would say chickens, they would come running for me. And then I would go get the chicken out of his, cause <laughs> the chicken can uh, cause yeah. the dog to choke. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So, um, so y- you think that um, I actually least trained the wild dogs. So we can walk around the post and not get yelled at by the sergeant major. But eventually, we had to send the dog on his way because the army officially does not like dogs. Yeah. So let me ask you this: Let's say you went or to not like wild dogs, local dogs. Yeah, too. yeah, for sure. So let let me ask you this: Let's say you were to go to a a local kennel a local humane society or whatever, and you go in and you, you, cause you're bored. Cause you, you, you don't, you know, you have, you have four kids, right? Three, three kids. Okay. Yep. Three kids, homeschooled, full-time job in the military, all that mm-hmm. good stuff. Um, plus the, the business, uh, the brimstone firearms business. But let's say you just got bored one day and you're like, I'm going to go pick up a dog out of the kennel and just see what I can do with it. Like you go pick up a two year old dog. Nobody wants too hyper, too high strung, what would be like? What would be some things that you would do to kind of recalibrate 
um, you know, two years of bad teaching for a dog? First, I wouldn't go pick the dog. I would let, I would go to a whole group of dogs and I would let the one pick me. Okay. So once you find out which dog wants to pick, be with you and they accept you as their, as their master, uh, they become a whole lot more trainable. Okay. And it, it is kind of funny because most of those dogs, when they do that, they realize that you're going to be a better master than you think you're going to be. And I, my best dog I ever owned, Brimstone, which I named my business yep. after, he was actually, he wasn't even my dog. So I, I dated this girl for like two and a half years. And for two and a half years, she had this dog, which we found named Brimstone. Uh-huh. And he never listened to her. <laughs> Ever, <laughs> I did not live with her, and nothing at Neither all. But, did you, but as soon as 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 soon as I would come over, he's like, "Wow, the best dog ever!" Yeah. But as soon as I would leave, he didn't listen. Mm-hmm. And so, it, when we broke up, I had my own house, I had my own dog, and she showed up one time, and she goes, "He's always been your dog in here," mm-hmm. and so I got to keep him for the rest of his life. And one of the greatest, you know, acts of love is is to do something like that. Yeah. And dogs pick their owners sometimes. Okay, and that's that's a really good thing. So, what would what? So you said just go out in a pack of dogs. So you like walk through mm-hmm. a kennel and just say, and what what would be some things that you would see that would be like, okay, maybe this this is what were some signs that the dog would show? Almost like coming right up to you. Um, and every dog's gonna come up with you, and it's kind of hard for me to describe, but every dog's gonna come up and sniff you, sniff you. Mm-hmm. Who's going to hang out with you? Okay. And unfortunately, that, not unfortunately, that happens to me a lot. <laughs> I, I bet. Oh, please I, like, take me home. <laughs> well, I, was, I, I go over to my cousin, my uh, my sister-in-law's house, and they had this dog. They just put him down. But last, last year, they had the open house for their oldest daughter, and there's like 150 people on the property. This dog is blind and deaf. <laughs> There's six acres of property. He is way far on the back of the property. As soon as I park the car and get out, he's running towards me. <laughs> and he's like, oh, Uncle Ken's here. Oh, That's funny. Yeah. Just who do they accept you? Do they want to be with you? Do they want to hang out with you and sit with you? And not just, hey, come pet me. And you look like somebody's going to pet me. Mm-hmm. Do they want to be with you? Okay. And so that so letting allowing that process to take place, um, do you, do you feel like some people might go and you know uh, adopt not shop you know the very uh, you know the quote unquote ethical thing to do? Yeah. Um, do you think that people might um, walk into a situation that they're just not prepared for because maybe it's not a good fit? Do you see that? Happening oh yeah, a lot of times. Oh yeah. Yeah. You just people grew up around dogs, but they didn't grow up understanding dogs. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, uh, sometimes there's warning signs that you just don't see. And, but there's also abused dogs too. And when you go to the humane society, what's really good about the humane society or any rescue dogs, they have dog psychologists and they'll give you a workup with the dog and you'll know what you're getting into. Mm-hmm. Uh, any reputable breeder will, will pretty much force like, Oh, I want the I want the runt of the litter. I want the biggest one of the litter. Most reputable reputable breeders these days is well, you come over, you'll you'll meet the whole pack, and we'll find out who wants to go with mm-hmm. you. Yeah, and they do that because they they want the dogs to be happy. They want the dog. They want the customer to be happy. Yeah, 
and that's what works. Yeah. And but there's guys who are like, well, I'll pay an extra fifty dollars to get the biggest dog in the in in the breed. Okay. Well, you just got the dumbest dog in the breed <laughs> too. You just didn't know it yet. Yeah. Well, and that, that's kind of cool that you mentioned that because we um when we got Maggie uh, the the. There was a it was a farm up by Big Rapids, and they had an Australian Shepherd and a Border Collie, and then they had th- those were the, the two female dogs, and then they had a big black German Shepherd, just jet black. <laughs> yeah, and um, it wasn't supposed to happen, but the German Shepherd knocked <laughs> up the both dogs at the same time. So they had two full litters. We were actually the first person, so we had the we had the pick of two full litters, and we yep. ended up with Maggie, um, and. When you have like, you're literally looking at these twenty little fur balls just running around in these little crates or whatever, and it to it for whatever reason, um, our Claire was two at the time, and I think she picked Maggie because they're all just running around, but Maggie was just kind of sticking around us, and yeah, um, when Claire picked her up, she was just kind of like relaxed and not trying to like squirm free or anything like that. Um, so it's interesting that you say that because I think that process happened with us and I, I grew up with dogs, but I'm by no means an expert. I would fall into that category of people that grew up with dogs, but maybe don't fully understand them. I'd say, but I would say probably better than most, but I, but better by most because at least you acknowledge it. Yeah. That actually, so I started doing firearms because I can't always be a soldier and my, my civilian job actually requires me to be in the national guard. Yep. So if, if the National Guard says, hey, you're too old or you're, you're too done, then I lose my federal job too. Mm-hmm. So what I was going to do is I was going to open up a boarding con- kennel. And you can get some money there, but dog training is really where it's at. I'm like, cool. But I found my, my people skills were kind of lacking. <laughs> <laughs> and it's so I became a firearm instructor, which requires people skills. Mm-hmm. But it's a lot easier to teach somebody how to shoot than it is to teach somebody to train a dog because dogs are not human Mm -hmm. they are foundationally different and while they're a family member yes they're a family member but they're different than what you think so i grew up you know my mom was saying she she trained dogs and i learned a lot from her but she also said no that dog is that's your brother Mm -hmm. and now i look back in that and i'm like no no and one of the things I loved about my wife is when we did finally have kids and, and she just referred to Brimstone as Uncle Brimstone because mm-hmm. Brimstone was... He was there first. It, her first, but in, his whole role was to be dad's best friend. Mm-hmm. That's it. He, Oh, there's there's other occupants around here. That's fine. But, you know, I'm here with that guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> the yeah. funny thing, he was so good around all the kids, but the one thing, the only problem we had with the little kids is Andrea had to make sure that none of the kids were in between Brimstone and myself when I got home. Mm-hmm. That was the only problem. Oh, because they, they would get ran over. <laughs> That's funny. Other than that, he was perfect around kids. Yeah. Yeah, one thing that we heard, I don't really know if this is like an old wives' tale or something, but something that we learned is like when you're at the hospital, when the baby's born, bring a blanket with the baby smell home so the dog can sniff it before the baby gets there. Is that an old wives' tale? Is there some truth to that? No, there's some truth to that. It, it just eases the transition because mm-hmm. they don't see with sight. They see with smell. Mm-hmm. And so they're used to the smell of the baby, so then they get, okay, they start associating the baby with you, and then they're part of the pack. Gotcha. It's not such a, a big of a shock. Okay. Now that makes sense. 
Now, the other thing is you can't just introduce the blanket. You've got to treat the blanket as if it's a baby. <laughs> okay. So you you got to start learning. The, the dog has to learn its place, and it's going to be above the dog. And if it's not, then... I've I've actually seen guys that uh, a buddy of mine in the in the army he had a Doberman mm-hmm. and they loved the fact that it was really protective of the kid right up until it bit the mom oh. for breast, for trying to breastfeed mm. so and what they they weren't realizing what they were doing is they were enforcing too dominant of a behavior or too aggressive of a behavior and they didn't know it interesting wow that's crazy I never thought yeah. that that would be a thing. Like, yeah, one of the things are is when you're walking the dog and the kids are in front of you, the dog is right at your side. Mm-hmm. If you let the dog be the first, if you let the dog lead you on the leash, then it's actually putting him in charge. Mm-hmm. And if he's in charge, if he's in front of the kids, then he's in charge of the kids. Yeah. One of my biggest pet peeves and, and this is one thing that might there, there's about 50 of your listeners like he is so wrong <laughs> there, there are differing differing opinions on dogs and there are i'm sure there are people out there that know a lot more than i do sure i would say so i've seen i'll say this they we have somebody that we know that got a that they i don't think if they had a dog it wasn't in my lifetime so it would have been 20 years ago and i don't want to call them out um but they got a a dog. Uh, it was a poodle mix and very high energy. And it, I think everything's a lot. The last time I saw him, it was, it was a lot better. But when he was like eight months, nine months, ten months old, um, they were paying like a lot of money to get this dog trained, and it was not working. Um, I've owned. I don't know. Maggie is the f- my first like. Okay, this dog's mine. Um, yeah. But my my folks that probably four or five dogs grown up. So um, all of them very well behaved, well trained, do good on a leash. How, how important is leash training? Like you, you, like you brushed on that, but I think, I think that carries a lot more weight than, you know, the, sorry, let me backtrack. I, I got off on a tangent. My pet peeve is when I see people walking dogs on that long extendable leash and they just <laughs> let their dogs wander all over the place. And I'm like, Okay, you your you are your dog's bitch right now. I just want you to know that. <laughs> so, I I feel the same way. Yeah. Now there are people because you can work that so it is, and they can be yes. on their leash. Yes, and that's good. My dog, Dallas, is leash trained and off leash trained. Mm-hmm. Now he's the type of dog that he will not leave. He he can be off leash all the time. We we go out on hikes and he is off the leash and. Yep. He never leaves us. Mm-hmm. He might chase something off, but he comes right back. Yeah. Brimstone was, I'm going to go wander a bit, but I'll always know where you are. Mm-hmm. And so he'd be wandering. You won't know where he is, mm-hmm. um, but he'll always know where you are. And he was good, but you always, when they're on the leash, it, okay, my brother had a German Shepherd. And had the dog for about two years by this time. And we were at a family gathering in, in New Mexico. And, and I'm going to take my dog for a walk. And, hey, I'm going to take the kids. So I'm like, hey, can I take your dog for a walk too? And he goes, he's like, yes. But mind you, the dog pulls a lot, very hard. So make sure that you're the only one that handles the dog. I'm like, okay. 
and why have you tried anything yet oh we tried harnesses leashes we tried training all that stuff it never worked um my brother might listen to this but well here it goes <laughs> one trip around the block one quarter mile and i had the dog in the healing position steady what was it? what did you do it's how you hold the leash and so and what you do is when you hold the leash and you get them to where their head is up and is right by you and you put slight tension on it so initially what the what you want to do with that is that doesn't give them the energy to actually charge forward mm-hmm. you can just tug it and then they'll stop and then they'll start once you start tugging it then they're going to start paying attention to when i can tug when i can't when i'm not going to get tugged and they start paying attention to you mm-hmm. where you walk the speed which you go and when and when you start doing that you you start stop turn directions all random now they don't know what you're going to do so they're going to you when they get their ears back that's when they're paying attention to you mm. And, and that's when you get them leash trained. But if you're sitting there and you're just letting them go in front of you, um, they're not paying attention to you. Yep. No, that's that's so true. One thing we did for Maggie, because we had similar issues that we got her, uh, the gentle leader, the thing that goes around the snout. And um, that, uh, the, let me ask you this. With, with the German Shepherd, did you just have a regular collar on that you were using? Or was it a harness or was it a choke chain or something like that? I've seen harnesses do good job. I've seen head harnesses do good job. I've used training collars. Let's not use the word choke. Yeah. Because it doesn't choke. It it does I, yeah. not. Yeah. It's yeah. it's a training collar. Yeah. And when you're handling, especially like a German Shepherd who can be rather big mm-hmm. and powerful, they the harness can help control them, but it doesn't control their power. Mm-hmm. A, a training collar tends to. Yeah. Uh, equalize the pound for pound power that, that you can have over yeah. a dog. Yeah, we. I mean, we had a couple Saint Bernards growing up, and and they're not typically rambunctious. But you know, if you're walking it through a through a trail or whatever, and it sees mm-hmm. a squirrel and it, it gets ambitious or whatever, that's a hundred and fifty pound animal that's going to take <laughs> you with it. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, so we use the the gentle leader for Maggie, which is just the thing that wraps around her head and goes over her snout. Mm-hmm. So, it, like like you said. Um, that control that you have this with the slight tension um, and then controlling where the head is as well. Yeah, so um, when they start pulling, it pulls their head off and it breaks their attention. Exactly. And that's good. What I usually do is you get a training collar and you just you pull it right up behind their ears mm-hmm. and you get it not snug, but just where it's not slack. And then you hold the leash right so they're going to be right with their head up. Yeah. And that does the same thing as a head harness does. It's just a little bit less expensive. Yep. No, good to know. All right. Um, do you have any? Oh, one thing I wanted to ask you, and you told this story. I thought this was out. This is incredible. Um, the story, real quick. I don't remember if this was Brimstone or another dog, but where you told me a story back in uh, the CPL class, where you had a dog that that literally ran out of the house and chased somebody down. That was Skeet, my tricolored collie. Okay, tell that story real quick. That was super interesting. All right, so we had a collie that looked just like Lassie, um, and we got a good deal on him because one ear was floppy, one ear was straight. (laughs) Well, they were were bred to be show dogs, and Uh if they're they're both floppy, they're good. If they're both up, they're both good. But if it's either or, no, it's not. (laughs) So we got a great deal on it. Skeet was a wonderful dog, and he, he grew up to be about 11 years old, and when he was about nine, I, I left to join the Army, and my stepdad, by that time, had retired from the federal government as, a, as an investigator, and he became a private investigator. And that's important for the story, and you'll find out why in a few minutes. But 
dog's always been friendly. He's not an aggressive breed. He's always been chill. And my mom moved uh, to East Grand Rapids on Cascade Road. And that's a pretty busy road, mm-hmm. no sidewalks. So one day during the summer, when I'm off in basic training, uh, the dog's in the back of the house in the sunroom. And there's this guy coming up, you know, pretty well dressed with a briefcase, looks like a door to door salesman. And my mom looked at it and he goes, that's odd. Mm-hmm. That's not a, this isn't a place for a door to door salesman gig. And that's when Skeet jumped up and ran through the house, ran through the screen door and just started chasing him down the block and drew, uh, he bit the guy in the left calf and drew blood. Wow. So it was it was a serious thing. It wasn't a warning uh, get away from me. It was uh, I really don't like you. Yeah. So my mom was flipping out for like the past the next week, thinking the dog had gone crazy, and she's watching the dog and watching the dog, and everything seems fine. And then my uh, stepdad's reading the crime report in the local paper because that's what private investigators do, and he says, "Hey, uh, where did Skeet bite that guy?" And she goes, "It was in I think it was in the left calf. I think." And uh, so he showed her in the newspaper where East Grand Rapids police had found a guy using door-to-door salesman's gig to, to case houses, check them out, and then later break into them. Mm. And the chief of police or the, the spokesman said that uh, they believe he's a repeat offender, a recent repeat offender because he has a fresh bite mark in his left calf. Ah, interesting. Yep. So your dog just sniffed that out. He sniffed that out. That's wild. Yep. That is crazy. And then you look at... Uh, with brimstone, I, I used to tease or joke around, but it, I'm also serious. Is my dog knew I was going to marry Andrea before I did? <laughs> but then I'm looking back at it, and the only people he would really pay attention to after like ten years of marriage, um, the only people he paid attention to before I was married are the the friends that stayed with me throughout all that time. Mm-hmm. Anybody else, I lost some really good friends. And he didn't pay any attention to them. He knew who was going to see through, see, see me through all my hard times. Interesting. It was, yeah. I, I didn't realize that until long afterward. I'm like, oh, wow. He like her and him and her. And these are the people that stayed with me. That's wild. Cool. Yeah. Good way to end that segment. Uh, we'll be right back to you in just one second.